What's up, everybody, and welcome back to the podcast. I've got a rad show for you today. I've got a conversation with Evan Phillips. He's the owner of Pod Peak Studios in Anchorage, Alaska, and he's been doing some awesome things in the podcast world, producing podcasts about the outdoors for clients like REI, Alex Honnold, the famous rock climber who free soloed El Capitan. I don't know if you saw that documentary on Netflix, but if you haven't, go check it out. It's called Free Solo. So we're going to be getting into his story, how he started off as a climber and as a musician and eventually segued into the podcasting space in 2016. But first, I want to give a shout out to everyone who's supporting the podcast. We're growing each week and I'm grateful that you're digging the show and that you're sharing it with friends and family because without you, this wouldn't be possible. And speaking of which, I want to give a shout out to our latest five-star reviewers on Apple Podcasts. And they are Jobless7000, who says, great podcast, super informative and helpful. Well, shout out to you, Ja. Thank you for rocking with me. And I'm glad you're enjoying the show. I also want to give a shout out to Podcast Guy 37 five-star review. He says, good show, very informative. I like that. Short and sweet podcast guy. Thank you. Job less. Thank you. It's because of you guys that we're growing and your support motivates me to keep on moving forward. So Evan Phillips, in this episode, we talk about his philosophy behind the craft of editing and mixing podcasts and audio in general. Uh, we talk about how he uses Reaper to accomplish all his editing and mixing He's got a new gig coming up with the Anchorage Daily News. And yeah, he's really kicking ass up in Alaska. Hit up Evan. He's doing some really cool stuff. He's got a lot of great shows about the outdoors that his studio has produced. He also hosts a podcast called The Fern Line, which is about the lives of mountain climbers. And Evan knows what he's doing. He's an award-winning songwriter and composer. He's got a 20-year career in the audio industry. And he's got a rad music background. He's actually recorded and produced over 50 albums. And he uses some of that uh, musical skill to score and sound design a lot of the episodes that he works on, which I think is just an added bonus. If you're a podcast creator, producer with a music background, you can do a lot of cool things to paint sonic landscapes in the shows that you work on. We talk about the pros and cons of automated podcast systems and software like Descript, and Riverside. Uh, we talk about how technology has changed since Evan started recording 15 years ago on analog equipment. And Evan gives his advice for aspiring podcasters and goes over the, some of the lessons that he's learned during his podcasting journey, which has spanned over the last several years. And he breaks down why you need to take some time on the front end, the pre-production side, even if it takes months before you go ahead and launch your podcast. All right, let's do the show. What up, guys, and welcome to Clipped, a show designed to help you become a better, more efficient podcaster. My name is Eric. I'm your host and founder of the Podcast Haven. Evan, welcome to the podcast. Good to be here. I've been uh, watching Podcast Haven just kind of on social media the last few years, so it's it's cool to finally connect with you. Yeah, man. I, I appreciate that. Yeah, we've, we've messaged each other and looked at each other's posts a little bit. So uh, yeah, I appreciate 
the follow and the support there. Yeah. What really drew me to to like you and your studio and your work is and I don't want to sound cliche, but the fact that you're in Alaska is super interesting to me. So tell me a little bit about that and, and kind of what the podcast scene is like up there. So I, I'm a lifelong Alaskan. I've lived here my whole life. And I'm and I'm in, in my mid-40s now. So I've been here a long time. You know, Alaska, it, like, I love it because, I you know, I'm uh, really connected to the landscape here. I've, I've kind of grew up doing a lot of outdoorsy stuff. And obviously... That's kind of what Alaska is is known for. There's a lot of space to kind of stretch out here. As far as like the podcast scene, I mean, I wouldn't even say that there's a podcast scene here. There's a handful of, of great podcasts. Uh, one of my friends does a podcast called Crude Conversations, um, where he kind of just has conversations with Alaskans. Alaska Public Media has done some some really good like narrative kind of newsy storytelling podcasts, which have, have been really great. And there's a handful of like other indie people, you know, doing everything from true crime to, um, you know, just different interviews and stuff like that. But there's really not much of a scene here, uh, which is <laughs> one of the reasons why I like reached out to you is because I'm always looking for to kind of connect with colleagues. And most of those are outside of Alaska, to be honest with you. <laughs> I mean, I kind of figured that. I'm here in LA um, where it's extremely overcrowded in the right. competition. And I wouldn't even call it competition, but like, yeah, it seems like there's new podcast studios popping up all the time. That's cool that you're up there and doing it. At least, you know, people have a place to go and you can be like the guy. But speaking of scenes, I think I saw on your YouTube that you toured in a band for a while. Yeah. The reason I'm saying that is because I think a lot of uh, musicians at some point in their lives, start, they play an instrument, they want to learn to record themselves. So maybe they learn like some kind of DAW or yeah. music production. And then the timing now, the last few years, podcast is booming. So I see a lot of people getting their, their recording, producing skills up in music. And then it's hard to make money in music and, and podcasting <laughs> yeah. now. And, yeah. And, and, and yeah, it's hard to make money in music. Especially where I am, a lot of people transfer from like music to TV and film, but also last few years podcasting. Mm -hmm. Let's hear about the band life. I kind of break like my my like adult career into like three sections. So the first section was from when I was about eighteen till I was twenty seven. I was kind of a full time mountain climber. Like that that's what I did. I worked as a guide on Denali, uh, so I would spend like my summers working and in climbing in Alaska, and then in the in the winter time I would do like the classic like climbing dirt bag thing where yeah. you'd have a little money saved up and then you'd go down to the desert and rock climb or go to South America or do stuff like that so I did that for 10 years and then unfortunately when I was 27 I got injured and it ended my career which was really challenging at the time it, it happened quickly so you know I was like well what am I going to do with all this energy and I had always been a guitar player. So then I started a band. And so for the next 10 years of my life, I was basically a full-time musician. What I'll say about Alaska is that there's lots of talented people up here, but you know, kind of back when I was doing the band, it's pretty easy to be a big fish in a small pond here. So like we did we did really yeah. well in Alaska. Um, you know, we kind of established ourselves. We gigged a lot. It, you know, we were able to not make a lot of money, but make enough money to where we saved our money and like bought a van and drove it down to the States and left it in the States. And so what we did for a couple of years is, you know, we had a van with gear 
down in Seattle and we would just fly down to Seattle and tour around the U.S. Did that for a couple years um, with another kind of bands, a couple songwriters that I played with. I, I got to tour once in Europe. I, I had done a lot of producing records too for bands. That was kind of another transition. Around 2012, I started doing a lot of production up here for like other artists in Alaska. So that's kind of how I got my audio chops. Yeah, no, no doubt. My story is a little bit similar in that I was in a band, uh, I wouldn't say successful by any means, but we got to the point where we were opening up for like some decent acts in yeah. our world. We we're kind of like a sublime style band ish, which is here in Southern California. People people dig that kind of sound. Yeah. <laughs> Interested in learning how to record myself. And I bought my first Pro Tools session in, or uh, Pro Tools rig in 2008. Yeah. And record myself playing guitar, would make like little beats, practice soloing over and stuff. Then eventually got better, did a little freelancing here in LA, recording some like low level artists at studios and stuff. And then that kind of grew. And then I realized, hey, I got to get more into like film and TV, which didn't really work out. But then I, right place, right time with the podcasting thing for me, I think I edited my first show in, in 2015 and then it kind of took off. I think that's a lot of people's story with music production to podcasting. Tell me a little bit about some of the shows that you've worked on in the podcast space. Rad to hear that you were a climber. I also saw that you worked on Climbing Gold with Alex Honnold, which I haven't listened to. And I don't know too much about the guy, but I did watch that documentary on Netflix, The Free Solo, and that blew my mind. So kind of tell me a little bit what that was like. Did you get to meet him? There's a company that produces that show. Uh, it's a, they're a media company based out of Seattle. They're called Duct Tape Ben Beer. They kind of primarily do, I would say, mostly outdoor shows. I just kind of started working with them probably about three or four months ago. So I worked on two episodes for season three of Climbing Gold, and I'm I'm starting to work on the next season of Climbing Gold. So all of this is remote. So I'm doing all of my work here in Alaska. And I actually have not even interacted with Alex because the way it works with Alex is the show gets scripted. All the interviews with other people get recorded and all of this pre-production happens before Alex comes in with the other producer and kind of starts doing bits to fill in the show. Voiceover or narrative stuff. Exactly, because it's not it, it's not an interview show with Alex. What it is, is it, it's, it's a storytelling podcast talking with other climbers and outdoors people. Alex and the other co-host Fitz do the interviews with these people, but then we produce them into basically storytelling narrative type productions. They're actually... Uh, really heavily produced. And, and I mean, uh, it's crazy how much work goes into one episode. <laughs> yeah, I've worked on a couple things like that for like some bigger clients. And yeah, just the amount of work, the recording of the interview, sometimes getting like archival tape footage, yeah. recording narration or maybe re-recording um, yeah. a lot of the back and forth with, with the producers. So it's a really cool project. I mean, I'm really into that kind of stuff. Like I'm really into heavily produced big projects because they're creatively really challenging. And I, I guess I just like that. <laughs> Doing some of the stuff that's a lot more challenging, it, it makes it more fun because I'm not knocking it, but after you've mixed a couple hundred talk show style interviews, it's kind of plug and play to some extent. 
it's cool to hear that, yeah, you've got the chops and that you've been doing those big productions. There's also something like on the flip side, what you're talking about. I mean, I, I, I've done a million you know, recording and editing interviews as well. If if you're doing that all the time, or I'll speak for myself when I'm just doing that all the time, like, yeah, it can get a little bit monotonous, but honestly, sometimes, and I, I'm sure you can relate to this a little bit. Sometimes it's almost like meditative to kind of edit an interview. Like I kind of, I enjoy it sometimes. In a weird way, it is meditative when you get in a groove and you're, you, there's no distractions and you're um, like starting to rip through it and like, get into like the timing of uh, how people's cadences, how they talk and stuff. I, I can totally relate to that. I also enjoy listening to people's conversations, which I mean, you can't always get into the groove of doing that when you're just editing. But like a lot of times I'll get interviews that I didn't conduct, but I'll, people will send them to me and just be like, hey, I need you to edit this or clean this up. And it's kind of cool to be a, a fly on the wall and just get to listen to people's conversations. I really enjoy that. I think I was telling my wife or somebody that, yeah, after all these years and the, like I've done, you know, fitness shows, done like finance shows, shows with like leaders from like the CEO type of shows. It, it really is interesting. And it's it's funny how much you learn and you pick up different insights to different points of view that you hadn't thought about. I think that that, I think that's important really. So speaking of production, I'd like to hear a little bit about your setup and your philosophy and the way that you like to edit and mix I saw that you use Reaper, which I've never used. You know, I think most people, they hear podcasting, at least, uh, you know, with the NPR and like the bigger production houses. They're always talking about Pro Tools or Adobe Audition. But I've seen Reaper come up a lot in the different forums and like face group, uh, Facebook groups I'm in. I've been seeing it come up. It sounds like it kicks ass. Like it's a cool DAW. It's affordable too, right? Reaper is my DAW of choice. Um, I do have Pro Tools installed on my computer just because every now and then, like I've done projects where it makes sense to use Pro Tools. So like my philosophy about recording and, and DAWs and stuff like that is, and I, I'm sure you agree with this, is that y you should use whatever you're comfortable with. Because really in today's day and age with our technology, it's really not that hard to share files. That's never been a huge impediment to me. But the reason why I got into Reaper is honestly because I was broke at the time because I had been a musician for 10 years. You know, at the time, like, I, you know, Pro Tools was whatever, 500 bucks or whatever, um, back in 20, 2009. This was before there was a subscription. I just didn't have the money at the time. And I was like, well, I but I want to record. And, and a buddy of mine mentioned trying out Reaper. So I by happenstance, started using Reaper. Looking back, I, I'm glad that's the case because I it's it's really been great for me. The reason why I like Reaper is because it's so tightly coded that it's like probably the lightest DAW on the market. Like you can literally download it and run it off like a little thumb drive. And it, it's just, it's so stable. Like probably every week the team is doing incremental updates and they're all free. So basically every week, you can update the newest Reaper and they're just constantly doing bug fixes and stuff like that. So it rarely crashes. The other thing that I love about Reaper is it's every part of it is customizable. So you can create these like really complex macro key commands that have like five or six or 10 key commands all bundled into one keystroke. So if you have things that you do all the time, 
you can create your own, like they're called custom actions. And it's, it's just, part of it is like me, Reaper users kind of geek out with that kind of stuff. But that's just what I love about it is like, I've been able to customize it to work exactly the way I want it to work. Say like a new podcaster, is Reaper pretty easy to learn? Yeah, I would say that Reaper has a little bit of a steep learning curve. Like, okay. and, and it's not that it has a steep learning curve. It's just that when you first download it and install it, it's, there's a couple of just like basic things that just don't really feel intuitive. Mm. You know, for example, it's like, you'll have to remind me in Pro Tools, but a lot of times if you hit play, if you want to hit play, you'll press the space bar, right? And, it, and it'll start playing. Right. And, and how do you go back to the beginning? Do you press return? Yeah. Yeah. So in Reaper, it's when you, if you press return, it does something else. So it's just like really basic stuff like that out of the gate. It's like, what? It doesn't really make sense. And, but it, again, like if, if you can learn a couple basic things, like just how to customize your own keystrokes or key commands, you, you can, you can tweak all that instantly. But, you know, it probably took me honestly like a year or so. Mm-hmm. To, to get comfortable in Reaper. And then it probably took me another couple years to where I really started to understand like, oh, I can like completely customize this to work exactly how I want. And that's when it kind of started to be a game changer for me. But I think it's the same with any DAW. It's the same with Pro Tools. I mean, at the end of the day, if you really want to master something, you got to put the time in. There's no, there's no way around it. I'm fully on board with that because I come from kind of, yeah, like a background like you uh, working in studios and stuff. And I learned quickly when I thought I knew a lot about Pro Tools that I didn't actually know what I thought I knew and have gotten gotten yelled at many times in sessions and stuff. So I think too, what's tru- I don't know if it's troubling, but I think a lot of like new podcasters are looking more for like automation. Like, I, I don't know if you've used Descript. I, I I like Descript for transcription and content editing, but I think a lot of people are trying to use automated editing tools like that. There's a bunch of like automated like leveling plug. No, they're not even plugins. They're like websites where you can upload your file and it'll auto like level things, which I think can come in handy a little bit. But I'm a firm believer too. Is like you got to have a, like a strong foundation in audio and a strong foundation of your DAW. If you really want to excel, but then at the same hand, I, at the same time, I guess if you're just a podcaster who is more interested in getting your message out and telling your story, and the editing is kind of um, intimidating or something that you don't want to quote unquote like waste your time on, I could see that why let that hold you back? There are these like automated tools that are coming out, so I, you know I'm, I'm kind of mixed on that. I know what you're saying. I think it's different for you and I because like we work we have to really know how to use these different tools. And like, I have to know how to use like multiple different DAWs, but I kind of like the challenge of that. But that's because I work in this field every day. And so for me, knowledge is power. But again, like if you're just like your own independent podcaster and you're creating your own show, at the end of the day, I kind of just think like if you find something that works for you, whether it's automated or whatever, I mean, if, if it works for you, do what you got to do, you know? That's a good message too, because I think, yeah, whatever's allowing you to get your message out, if there's technology that makes your life easier, then I'm all for uh, people creating things that they want to create. So I think we're on the same page. 
just think about how much technology has changed since you and I, I mean, you and I really got into recording kind of at the same time. I think I recorded my first album with a, in a studio, but where I kind of became familiar with Pro Tools probably in like 2007, 2008. So you and I have kind of been in the same, uh, we've, we've been kind of paralleling each other that way, but think about how much technology has changed in the last 15 years. It's insane. It's weird when you're caught up in it because you don't really realize it. But yeah, when you look back, it's it's pretty remarkable. Basic things like back in the day, like in Pro Tools, when you went to export a file, you had to bounce in real time. Real time. You know, oh, so he, horrible. Yeah, and what that, and if, <laughs> if someone who's listening to this show doesn't know what that means, it means when you export something, you have to listen to it. So if you have an hour-long podcast episode, it's going to take an hour to export it. Now you can hit export and it's done in five minutes. I used to get frustrated when it was just like a four-minute song, but yeah, exactly. like an hour-long or like a movie, an hour-long podcast or like a two-hour movie. Thankful that we've sped that up. Talking about gear, so what's your setup right now? You've got the Shure SM7B and what kind of interface are you using? And I'll give you my signal chain here. So, so I go from the mic into a cloud lifter, which... If folks who are listening to this don't know what that is, it basically just gives the mic 20 extra dB of, of mic gain, clean mic gain. From there, I go into an audience ID22. And from there, it has sends and receives. So I can send the audio through analog gear. So I've got an analog compressor and an analog EQ. Uh, and then I run it back into the ID22, and then it goes into my DAW. So I'm I'm running the mic through some analog gear. I love that. Sounds great. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, like I, I'm kind of just doing it because I can, because I have yeah. the gear. You know, I'm sure like you, I've got like all sorts of. Well, I've got way too many plugins. <laughs> I'll, I'll be totally honest. Uh, um, I've got a lot of plugins. So it's like, of course, you can do all that stuff in the post-production. But, you know, I, I come from the school. It's like, hey, you're supposed to get the highest quality audio you can on the way in. And that's going to save you time in post-production. I love that philosophy. Correct me if I'm wrong, but you actually hosted a podcast in the past. Is that correct? Yeah, I actually, and I still host it. So I have a podcast called The, the Fern Line which is the podcast, like the tagline is, it's a podcast about the lives of mountain climbers. And so it, it, it's a climbing podcast. So I started that in 2016, and that's how I got into podcasting. So I'm still doing that podcast, but additionally, I, I started Pod Peak like three or four years ago, which is my podcast production business. So uh, I'm actually getting to the point in my career where I'm thinking, ah, maybe I might need to shelve the fern line because I'm just getting too busy. And at the end of the day, like the fern line, it's kind of my passion project. I, I've never really wanted it to be my job. It's a love-hate thing, yeah, when kind of the passion becomes more like a job. My podcast is new, so I haven't gotten there yet. Planning on at least going for a year and then kind of reevaluating and see, see where we're at. I'm really stoked that you are doing this podcast, I'm listening to it. Oh, like, no, thank you, man. Yeah. I, I love it. I mean, I, I and, and there, the, the episodes you've done so far have been pretty short and succinct, but it's just, it's just, I don't know. I just, again, like, because I live in Alaska, like, I'm just like dying to have like colleagues in like peers who I'm like interacting with 
for me, it's fun to to get to listen to people who dork out on the same stuff I dork out on. <laughs> some audio geekage. Yeah. <laughs> Give me some advice for new podcasters back when you started in 2016 to where you are now with your podcast. Give me some advice and maybe some things that you wish you would have done differently knowing what you know now. Well, well, I think there's kind of two routes with that question. So there, there's the route if you are just getting into podcasting because you just want to create a podcast and that's what you want to do. And then there's the other route of you're maybe interested in doing a podcast, but you also might want to get into doing it as a career. What I would say for the, the folks who, who want to just create a podcast is take time on the front end to really think about what it is you want to create. Like, don't rush it because the worst thing uh, that you can do, and I'm speaking from experience here, from everything from being a musician and, you know, there's nothing worse than putting something out there and then when you listen to it, you you cringe. Like, that's the worst feeling. And so I would say, take your time, like do research, listen to other podcasts that inspire you. Think about like, what are they doing that you really like? Like, what, what is the host doing that, that really connects with you? You know, what are the topics you're interested in? You know, one of the other things that's like super important, especially now, because there's so many podcasts is like coming up with an original name or concept it's tough that you go on Apple, almost any cool name you thought in your head has been taken. <laughs> exactly. So, so I think that it's really worth taking the time on the front end, even if it takes months of planning to, to take that time to make sure that you're doing it right. Conversely, I would say it's also good to take the time on the front end to teach yourself how to record the highest quality audio possible and how to record the highest quality interviews possible. And, and it, you know, it might take a little bit of a monetary investment on the front end. It, it might take a bunch of test runs on the front end, but at the end of the day, it's worth it. I actually took more time than I wanted to finally launch. Um, but looking back, I'm glad I did. I'm, I tend to be like an impatient person, but I, I am glad that I took the time. And I'll totally agree with you. I think content is number one and like your message and your story is most important. But I think a close second is good audio. And and I don't want to say that people need to go out and spend a bunch of money, but I, if you can come up with a couple hundred bucks, you can, and, and more importantly, to learn how to use what you buy, you can get a sound that's going to sound like you know what you're doing. And I think 2022, having good audio is important if you want the podcast to grow and people to receive it well. The content is is number one, but if I'm listening to a podcast and it's a really great conversation, but the audio quality sucks, I mean, it, come on, it's like it's hard <laughs> to listen to. Hit up Evan or hit up me, and we'll we'll help you out there because I'm with you. If I if, if I'm really feeling the story, but the audio is crappy, it's it is tough to listen to. We live in an era because of technology now, where it's like if you've got some chops, like some some natural abilities as, as a creator. I mean, there's just so much you can do now from a home studio. Like you can you can film and edit films. You can you can record and edit podcasts. You can create music, and so that's just what I love about where we're at with technology right now. Is 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 it really comes down to how hard do you want to work? And you know, like if if you've got skills, like the only thing that's limiting you is uh is your imagination, you know, and your and your willingness to to work hard. 
there's so many platforms with YouTube and podcasting and social media. It's like you said, yeah, if you're, if you're a creative person and you're good at what you do, yeah, the sky really is the limit. And I think that's exciting for all of us uh, in the content creation world. Before we go here, give me three podcasts that you currently listen to and want to recommend to the listeners. Because I've been kind of prepping for to create this uh, Alaskan politics show, I've been listening to New York Times The Daily. Sure. Uh, quite a bit. Also been listening to... Okay, I just got to be honest. Listening, I, I'm, the the true crime show that I listen to every week is Park Predators. I'm embarrassed about it, but <laughs> never heard about it. But I'll check it out. It's like crazy, like true crimes and like national parks and stuff like that. Cool. And then unsolved mysteries. <laughs> That's cool, man. Who doesn't love a good true crime? And they're well produced and they're well thought out and it takes a long time to make them and they do their research and it, it shows because they're, they're super engaging. Yeah. <laughs> Give me anything you want to plug, what you're working on, your website, plug away. So I'm just like an indie podcast producer based in Alaska. If anyone's interested, you can check out my website, which is podpeak.com and you, you can just kind of see some of the work I do there. I also have a, a, a YouTube channel, which is just under Podpeak, where I do a lot of like Reaper tutorials. I would say, yeah, if people are interested in learning Reaper, there's a lot of good YouTube channels that do Reaper tutorials. In my latest video, I just made some new sound panels, and I just really enjoy making those videos. That's just kind of a hobby for me. Check out the website, check out the YouTube channel, and I would just say continue listening to Eric's podcast. It's a lot of really good information for getting into the space. Well, thank you, man. Appreciate that and appreciate you coming on the show. 